Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this. More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact. Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents... The Jim Ross Report with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and now the man himself, good old JR. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Jim Ross Report, the last program that we're going to have with this format as Conrad Thompson and I will start our new venture, Grilling JR, uh, next week here on the Westwood One uh, Podcast Network. Uh, But I appreciate you guys being with us. You know the drill. You know how you can find us wherever podcasts uh, air. We're there, and that includes uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, etc., etc., etc. We appreciate those five star ratings as well. If you choose to do so, uh, I'm really excited about today's show. Um, that and one and two. Re- I have two reasons for that statement. Uh, it's our two guests today. Uh, we're going to talk to a- a- Hangman Adam Page, one of the great young stars that uh, AEW has signed. They signed Adam back in January. Uh, he made the. He, he is just, I think, uh, has an unlimited upside. Twenty-seven years old, college degree, smart kid, good athlete without a doubt, and he's motivated. And I think he's a kind of he has the maturity and the and the uh, education to accept responsibility in a big way. And so, uh, we'll see if he can live his dream of being the first AEW champion, which will be crowned uh, later on this year. I'm told also today, uh, I'll be talking to, uh, Sammy Callahan, one of the most intriguing uh, guests that we've had, one of the most intriguing conversations we've had on the show. I think you're really going to dig it. Uh, he'll take on rich Swan, as many of you know, for the impact X division title, uh, that'll be this Sunday on the rebellion pay-per-view. We'll talk to Sammy about that. So two of the top young stars in the entire game of pro wrestling join us here today, but none more importantly than you. We thank you for tuning in. And now here's what's on my mind. A lot of news out of the camp of all elite wrestling. We know now that the brothers, uh, the Rhodes boys, Cody and Dustin will fight at uh, AEW double or nothing. That's going to be a pay-per-view event, by the way. And as many of you know, all the tickets are sold. They sold out almost immediately in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Arena. Uh, I mentioned this on a feature I did uh, for AEW a week ago. I don't know when it's going to air exactly, but nonetheless, I told them I was a little bit, uh, I don't know if disturbed is right. I was concerned. Sometimes, and look, as a fan, I love personal issues. This is damn sure the ultimate personal issue. But sometimes, especially when there's uh, blood involved, blood meaning relatives, uh, personal issues can get a little carried away. Full house, pay-per-view, 
big time opportunity for AEW. And knowing that these guys' DNA from the great Dusty Rhodes, it's hard to say what they wouldn't do to impress, steal the show, and win. And win. So that's going to be on Saturday, May 25th. I look forward to calling that match with Alex Marvez and Excalibur. Uh, and by the way, speaking of Dustin, you can see him uh, at MCW Pro Wrestling uh, this Saturday night in Joppa, uh, Maryland. Shattered Dreams event is this Saturday in Joppa, Maryland. Uh, if you want information, tickets, whatever, mcwprowrestling.com. Really good company uh, run by my friend Dan McDivitt and all his buddies. They do a great job. They produce a lot of really good talent. And uh, so uh, Dustin will be there on Saturday night, so check that out. Uh, also, continuing with AEW, they got the advanced ticket sale for the a very uh, timely event. AEW's uh, Fight for the Fallen uh, will be at Daly's Place Amphitheater at the TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville uh, on Saturday, July 13th. Uh, tickets are on sale now. They are really moving well. I didn't get an update before I went on the air today, but they're they're brisk, to say the very least. So if you're considering joining us for this event, benefiting the Jacksonville Victim Assistance Advisory Council, uh, you might want to get your tickets sooner than later. Because once they're gone, they're gone. And the thing I learned a long time ago, you can't get in without a ticket. So uh, also AEW signed a new tag team. I've heard really good things about this tag team. They're very young, private party, uh, and but and they're obviously their best days are yet to happen. That's good. Get young talents that have unlimited potential as these two cats apparently have, and let them and and, and develop them. Evolve, let them evolve. Help them get better. I think that's really good. And then uh, there was another little thing on, online this week about the. I don't know anything about this, quite frankly, but the. Librarian character in AEW has been uh, kind of a theme. Uh, Cody and Kenny Omega choose, uh, chose uh, Leva Bates. Uh, that would be a female. And the Young Bucks are lacking uh, Peter Avalon. Where it goes, nobody knows. Uh, of course, uh, in conjunction with AEW in Las Vegas, would be uh, Connie, my mom. My God, his cheeks are huge. Uh, Starcast just get bigger and bigger by the day. For example, uh, I just saw where uh, Taz is making a very, very rare appearance. The world's angriest wrestler turned broadcaster, Taz. Talented dude. He'll have fun. He's back around his people. He could be Taz again in that world, uh, apart from his CBS Sports uh, radio gig, which he's doing very well, by the way. So Taz will be there at the event, StarCast I'm talking about. Unfortunately, The Undertaker and Kurt Angle will not be at StarCast. Uh, they have been pulled uh, by WWE. And uh, that was really mishandled, in my view. The, the decision the decision should have been made a lot earlier in the game, yay or nay. I don't. It's just awkward. That's all I'm saying. Awkward. So... Uh, in any event, that's a story. Poor old Conrad's got to pick up the pieces, but I think he's done a phenomenal job. This lineup for StarCast is nothing short of incredible. Nothing short of incredible. And uh, the Ric Flair roast, uh, which I, yours truly will be a part of, uh, should be 
really amazing. For me, it will depend on how many Moscow mules I've indulged in. <laughs> Should be fun. Hey, it's Vegas, man. Uh, moving forward here, Monday Night Raw. Uh, most folks are talking about Bray Wyatt and his reintroduction to the uh, to television with his uh, unique Firefly Funhouse, which you know Pee Wee's Funhouse. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you could relate or tie back to that uh, feature, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. But here's my point. Uh, fans, within a few seconds, uh, had already deemed this a failure. And folks, I don't know, sometimes you know, a lot of us have been around longer, have been teased and kidded for being a quote-unquote wrestling fan all our life. And one of the reasons people make fun of us is because we're very verbose about our uh, opinions to the extreme of ridiculousness. Uh, here's the deal. Don't judge too early. Let it play out a few weeks for God's sakes. Don't make yourself look stupid because that's what you do when in 30 seconds or a minute into a new, new uh, presentation, it's the drizzling doo-doo. Just not good. Uh, I, I like the fact that the, uh, I like the tag team of the, the Viking, the Viking experience. Not so much great team though. Two good guys. They finally got a name that won't make people snicker at them. If you're snickering at a name of a heel or baby face, you don't have, don't have the respect for the name of the character. Guess what? They probably will have a hell of a time getting over. That's all I'm saying. They're got these two cats got a good upside. Uh, Bobby Roode, now Robert Roode. Okay. First of all, he's a natural heel. He's always been a natural heel. Why he was not a heel and with some significance in the early going, I don't know. But now he's back in a persona that WWE can promote and elevate this talent. That's the key thing, man. It's imperative for all companies to continue to elevate talents into the main event conversation. And as far as Robert Roode is concerned, he has the skill set, the experience, the look. He has everything you'd want in a top, top pro wrestling villain. Glad he's gone that way. And speaking of pro wrestling villains, the big highlight out of uh, SmackDown was uh, uh, the surrogate uh, member of New Day, Kevin Owens, uh, attacking Kofi Kingston, which will probably set up a title match, I would think. Don't, don't you at Money in the Bank? Uh, couple of things on that. Owens is a much better heel than a baby face. He's a big time talent. In my view. So is Kofi. Somebody needs to tell Kofi that hop into the carefree, happy, smiling. Uh, I don't know if that fits the champion, uh, especially when you're, you know, you're a marked man. It's the days of the six man tags, a new day is this different ball game. Now you're the man. Everybody's going to give their, you their best shot. Well, they, they should, right? So the happy, carefree, uh, you know, demeanor may be fun for children who can laugh at or with the antics. Not so much. I don't think for, uh, the older fans, 18, 20, 18 to 34, 18 to 49. So just saying that maybe somebody's producing Kofi might want to suggest it. You know, you, you figure out how you're perceived when you're introduced and sometimes maybe. 
that procession for Kofi is not uh, indicative of who he is. I'm a big fan of his, by the way. Also a big fan of Luke Harper's asked for his release. Harper is 39. He's got a Fisher Cup bait. Move on. He didn't feel like he was getting the opportunities he needed or deserved, whatever, at uh, his WWE. So, you know, he, that's what you can do. You can at, contractually, when things are compatible, you can leave. If that's what you want to do. So I think Harper's got a, some miles left on him. I think he can contribute. And the nice thing about Luke Harper is that he's got great experience. He's the kind of guy that can work with younger talent and take care of them. That's a big, big commodity in this world. Plus, he's got some national television uh, name identity as well uh, and look because of his WWE run. The NWA, I had so many great years in NWA. I love that company. Uh, it wasn't the same when I, as it was when I first got in the business because it, it almost like the NWA was like a this mafia overlord that you really weren't quite sure who was the, who always in charge. And, and then the early, early seventies, who's this Muchnik fella? You know, I thought, well, he's, somebody said, well, he's kind of like the Meyer Lansky of wrestling. <laughs> so I said, oh, oh, so it's, it is a organized crime syndicate. <laughs> it was not, but, uh, a lot of mystery around the NWA and they're going to have a huge event this Saturday night in uh, Concord, North Carolina, the, the Crockett Cup. One thing about this, got some great tag teams. Of course, I love Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. Main event, Aldous and, and Squirrel, uh, which rhymes with the girl, Marty Squirrel, uh, will be fighting for the NWA heavyweight title. Love that. And uh, here's, what, here's what I was going to mention. Uh, NWA referee, one of the greatest of all time, Tommy Young, will be doing the honorary referee instructions for that match, which I think is very nostalgic. And I'm sure we'll create a lot of photo ops. So, uh, big event, Crockett Cup in uh, Concord this coming uh, Saturday night. Uh, and I uh, hope you'll check that out on pay-per-view. Uh, we, we talked about, uh, we're going to talk to Sammy Callahan about his pay-per-view matchup uh, this Sunday. This Sunday in, uh, Mont- in Toronto, uh, Impact World Championship. Uh, Lance Storm, Citizen Storm. Going to referee Johnny Impact versus Brian Cage. There's a three high-level, great representatives of pro wrestling in that match. Got to believe it's going to be great. Uh, Gail Kim, arguably one of my top two or three all-time favorite female wrestlers ever to take on Tessa Blanchard, who is working her way to become a member of that little select group as well. Should be great. Big fan of Gail Kim and Tessa. Tessa can learn amazing things about how to be a, a better pro and he keep evolving from Gail Kim. She's that good. Of course, Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan, more on that from Sammy a little bit later on the show. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been watching this dark side of the ring stuff on, uh, Viceland, the Viceland uh, network. Uh, I watched the, I watched them all. They're a little bit depressing for me because I lived through a lot of that stuff. I was very, uh, related to a lot of those things that happened. And it's never good to, not to, not to say celebrate death, but to, uh, continue to review death, review chaos, review the, the sad things, but it's reality. It's reality. Uh, so, uh, the macho man Elizabeth was, was solid. I thought 
Uh, I loved, uh, the Brody story. I watched that this week. Very, very good. Check it out. Um, it's a damn shame that a guy gets away with murder, literally, figuratively, everything. And, uh, invader Jose Gonzalez, who didn't have the balls to even defend himself on television. Sad. Uh, I like Frank. When I was going to major league umpire school in 1976 in Tampa, St. St. Pete, actually, uh, and Frank was working the Florida territory. Uh, we went out several times on his nights off to get a bite to eat. And I took some of my umpire school buddies with me and they just loved meeting Frank cause he was so smart, so cerebral. And, and he was everything that his character, he, he was everything his character wasn't in the ring. Empathy, heart, caring, just a good man. So it pisses me off to see that somebody could commit murder, take a, a father from his little son and a, and a husband from his wife and get no penalty. It sucks. And I think the karma has come back around because how great is that Puerto Rico territory doing now? You can answer that question yourself. So, uh, I'd check it out. If you, you, get, a, if you get a chance, uh, the, uh, the vice series, the dark side of the ring. Very, very good. I enjoy it. Even though the subjects are a little bit, uh, you know, touchy. Just a quick mention that, uh, Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling is still available at amazon.com worldwide. If you haven't read it, I wish you'd try it. I think you'll like it. The audio book is, is pretty, uh, has been getting great reviews. So, uh, knocker at amazon.com. Uh, of course, you know that Paul O'Brien, my Irish writing partner and I are still, uh, working very diligently. We have about half of the second book written and, uh, we're going to be working with, as I said here with Simon and Schuster, great company. Uh, they're a difference maker. Uh, and so we're looking forward to that, uh, and we still are looking at a, uh, release around WrestleMania, uh, next year. So hope you'll, you'll check it out. This writing the second book's been fun. I think, uh, we, uh, we wrote this week about the more about the goddamn plane ride from hell, which made me just, the more I think about it, it just pissed me off again. It's just so Bush league unprofessional that some conduct that some guys had it's just too being too brazen and it's just unfortunate hope that nothing good came out of the damn thing except maybe with a wwe had re- reevaluated uh first of all we did reevaluate what uh the booze on the flights and then then uh i think the charter thing is just, is just only used sporadically but uh in any event i i just it was a, it's still touches an emotional chord with me, quite frankly, it should never have happened. Uh, by the way, I would appre- appreciate you guys sending me pictures from Ingalls markets throughout the Southeastern part of the United States. Uh, I try to retweet them when I see them. Uh, but you get, we have our barbecue sauces or ketchup mustard, uh, all in uh, the Ingalls markets, 200 plus stores. We love that company. They do great things to their communities that they're in. And we like being a part of that as well. Uh, and Ingalls has always been a major supporter of Headlock on Hunger, which uh, is a nonprofit organization I'm affiliated with proudly, and that uh, helps uh, uh, provide food for children when they're not in school or in an organized program where they can eat regularly. How about that? It says that 25% of the kids that who, who are out of school don't eat regularly. I find that to be 
embarrassingly absurd. Can't happen. What can happen is I'll be in Las Vegas next week uh, at the Colorado Alley Club, hosting the, the big banquet on uh, Wednesday night. They're really uh, inducting a lot and recognizing a lot of great uh, talents, uh, contributors to the to our business. I love that the company's great. Uh, this is just a it's a total nonprofit. They help a lot of wrestling families that are in need. And so I uh, hope you'll check them out. Uh, info is that cauliflowerallyclub.org. They have all the information. I don't know how many tickets are left for the banquet uh, next Wednesday night, but I do know that uh, the hotel rooms are gone at the Gold Coast. So it's popular. People are coming. People are coming. It's going to be a lot of fun next week. And I'll have a, we'll talk about it. Conrad Thompson and I are going to actually uh, record our first podcast together next Tuesday in uh, Las Vegas at a location to be determined. Uh, Conrad wanted to go to that brothel place up there. Dennis Hoff used to have, but I said, no, I can't do that. Come on, stop it. I'm kidding. Uh, Saturday, May 18th, Dave Hero is going to have me at the great uh, lakes championship wrestling event. In Cedarburg, Wisconsin. It's right outside of Milwaukee, as many of you know. It's going to be at the Circle B Recreation. Uh, I'll be there at the afternoon wrestling seminar and do some uh, meet some VIP uh, ringside fans, pre-show. A lot of fun. I enjoy the meeting. I'm going to help. Hope the talents are there. You know, giving, I can. I think I can help you in some areas. Uh, but I sure like to watch you work and work out. So. Check out the seminar there with uh, Dave. Come join us. Ask questions. Get in the ring. See, let's. You want to be assessed where you are in one guy's opinion. There you go. Here you are. Take us at blizzardbrawl.blogspot.com. Okay. Blizzardbrawl.blogspot.com has all the information, all the particulars, and all your ticket info. So I hope you'll see us there in uh, Cheese Country. Now, in addition to going to the Colorado Outlet Club next week, I'll be back in uh, Las Vegas for StarCast 2 and uh, Double or Nothing, hosting the uh, Flair Steamboat panel on Thursday, May 23rd, uh, and then on uh, Friday, May 24th, the King and I will be together. And you know, man, with these schedules and, and, and uh, contractual things, I don't have any idea how many more times Jerry and I will get the privilege of working together. I look at all these opportunities as this is the last one, uh, to be realistic about it. I don't know that. I hope it's not true. So the King and I'll be together for a Q and a with you guys on Friday, the 24th. Uh, I think I'm, as I mentioned, I'm also going to be involved in the, uh, Ric Flair roast. Uh, so I hope you'll check that out. Starcast.com, uh, is, uh, as your tickets. If you can't be in Vegas for this event, you know that it's uh, going to be televised. All these amazing, uh, sessions, Magnum TA, Tully Blanchard, Tony Schiavone involved in that. The Taz just announced situation, uh, and so much more. You check out the website, star, uh, starcast.com. Uh, but if you can't be there, then check it out on the fight app. The fight app's going to have, uh, so much content. You'll, you won't, you won't miss the thing. So it's one way or the other, you can enjoy this massive, uh, this, this absolutely impactful weekend for pro wrestling fans. 
I'm going to be in the Cincinnati, North Kentucky area with well, James E. Cornett and I will be together, folks. How about that? Uh, for an uh, appearance in early June, that's Thursday, June 6th, at the uh, Florence Freedom Minor League Baseball Club in Florence, Kentucky. So uh, more on that here on the show, getting closer to the event. But in the meantime, if you want to be with us or uh, want more information, simply go to FlorenceFreedom.com. FlorenceFreedom.com for information. Always make the trek in July to the Waterloo, Iowa. Got to get back in this business, folks. You know, I, I say that. I'm trying to live, you know, do as I say, do as I do. Volunteer. Contribute. I love, I, you know, I'm not getting paid for going to uh, Call for Alley Club. I'm not getting paid for going to the Dan Gable Museum uh, uh, in July, uh, July 25, 26, 27 to be exact. I, I, I feel I, I owe it to the wrestling business to give back. So, and maybe when I was younger, it wouldn't have been such a big deal. Probably wouldn't have, to be honest with you, be fully transparent. But I do believe that we, what, in our lives, depending on you know what it might be, it could be your church, it could be your relationship, it could be your job, it could be your, you know, your golf game. I don't know what it is. It could be, but you you got to be, uh, you got to get back. You got to get back. You got to participate. You got to help build it and play it forward for the next group which is kind of one of my motivations for working for Tony Khan and the AEW. Let's play it forward. Let's get this thing going. Let's create a brand that years from now, somebody might be able to say, you know, JR had a nice career and he did some damn good work for AEW and kind of helped them in his role get launched. That's big to me. That's big to me. So, uh, Dan Gable museum, Waterloo, Iowa, uh, go to on Twitter's at wrestling museum and they can, you can connect all the information on social there. That'd be pretty cool. And then uh, a quick mention here, October five and six, uh, I'll be at the comic con in Dothan, Alabama. Uh, and the, uh, information for that is Alabama. Fantacon. That's spelled A L A B A M A Alabama. Fantacon F A N A T I C O N.com. Kind of strange, huh? So, uh, that's in Alabama that weekend. And, uh, that might be where Conrad and I have our first match. <laughs> okay, I was kidding about that one. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's on my mind. What the hell is this? What the hell is this? Want to say that the expectations are extremely high for Hangman Adam Page and AEW would be a understatement. And uh, this young man is joining us now. Adam, how are you? And thanks for being with us. Oh, man, I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm excited to go to work. Back, I'm back, put it this way, I'm excited to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, same. Yeah, it's good to be booked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I saw your work a lot when I was doing uh, New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling for Access TV. Uh, right. Two or three years. And what you did there, as far as my somewhat trained eye would say, is that you really maximized your minutes and you took advantage of the talents, real good talents that you were working with to up your game. And do you, do you feel like that competition uh, and that spotlight, so to speak, on the guys that are working there, the, the Americans that are working there, uh, gave you a little bit more motivation or more of a basis for building uh, your skill set? Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? Um, kind of, you know, every, every step you take, 
you know, you're surrounded by people who are who are better than you <laughs> to some extent. So, I mean, you you, you naturally uh, get a little better, I think. Um, and especially like those man things, you know, they do. I mean, I, I know that you know they do a ton of those multi-man tags and stuff. So, you know, you might have a six or an eight or hell a ten-man tag, and you know, it, it's ten minutes, and so you you really gotta you know pick and choose what you do, and you've got to make those you know, tiny moments count because that's all you've got, you know, in, in that short amount of time with that many people. So I think, you know, that kind of helped a lot in, uh, you know, making the most out of just a little bit. I, uh, never was overwhelmed at, uh, broadcasting those multiple man tag team matches that were seemingly booked just to get guys on the card. If it was a, if it was a six man title thing or, or there was a hot angle involving two factions or something like that different ball game but when you're just putting guys in there to get them work and get them on tv uh it's kind of akin to the uh uh some some companies booking now where they they book multiple people matches like at wrestlemania there are matches at wrestlemania for example and i'm glad that they did it for the talent's sake and the talent's families that uh you know these cats are getting booked because uh to get them on the card for for morale and so that's not a horrible horrible reason I guess. Right. But I never felt, Adam, it was somebody's uh, right to be on a big card. You got to earn it. I agree with you there. I mean, like, I, I kind of think that that format, I mean, it's got its, its pluses and minuses, you know, and I, I mean, I think the obvious minuses are like, if it's a big show or whatever, you know, no, not, no, not everybody deserves to be on the big show, honestly. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's that, and, and it, you know, I think a lot of times those matches that are just those ten man tags that are thrown together that you know blah 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 whatever who cares really kind of who cares because you know it doesn't necessarily always matter who wins who loses you know whatever it's just kind of there for fun um, but at the same time I think they do give um, guys who are you know otherwise wouldn't be on the show you know a chance to kind of develop to you know get people to see them get people to care about them I mean I like I know that you know I. Uh, you know, I, I took advantage of that. I, you know, I benefited from those kind of those kind of scenarios too. So I mean, they've got their pluses and minuses, I think. Yeah, they do have their pluses and minuses. And I'll tell you, upon further review, thinking about this, I, re- I recall when I was in WWE for all those twenty-five plus years, I would, would have the WrestleMania after parties. A lot of food, a lot of music, a lot of booze, and the families could come interact with their wrestling family members and so forth. Right, And I can't tell you how many times, even though a talent was in a very, let's call it not as significant a match as they may have wanted, the families are just as ecstatic because, uh, their son or their daughter was a part of that big event. So, uh, yeah. I, 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 I know from personal experience, how important it is for the families to see their loved one on this big stage, because I don't think quite frankly, that we give the families of the talents enough credit for the support that they offer to these stars that we like watching on television. Yeah, you know that's true. I mean, I'm married. I, I just, you know, it's just me and my wife. But you know, she puts up with a lot. You know, I'm gone all the damn time. So you know, to to you know be on those kind of things, or otherwise I might not be. Whatever, that's cool. You know, if she gets to visit, whatever. Um, and you know, you're right. It. Uh, you know, the fans, even though maybe they don't want to see, you know, three or five, you know, 10 man tags or whatever, because God, they can drag on, you know, they might want to see all their favorite characters, even if it's just for 30 seconds to see somebody come in and do the thing. Oh, cool. I got to see, you know, whatever. 
So, yeah, you know, I mean, I think they've, they've got their downfalls and their, their, their pluses as well. They got uh, some folks just like seeing the entrances. Right. Yeah, you're <laughs> and quite frankly, and some, some talents today, that's the best part of their damn match. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Hey, uh, what are you, are you signed with AEW in, in January? I saw, I watched the uh, press conference, uh, and you made a de- declaration where you said that you wanted to be the first AEW champion. And what, let me tell you what that reminded me of just right away before I get your response. Uh, I used to, sometimes when I would go from a town, to close TV shots, Austin and I would ride together. Uh, so, uh, his idea was always this, anybody that comes into the quote unquote territory that doesn't want to be the top guy shouldn't really be there. And I really admire the fact that she said, you declared right away. I want to be not just a, the, the champ, you want to be the first champion. Because you can only have one of those in your whole life. One first-time champion. Only one. That big deal, man. It's a big deal. So what motive, other than somebody said, hey, you might want to talk about this. Do you, do, you, do you feel that way? Do you want that responsibility of being the top guy? You know, I do. Um, and I'll tell you like this. You know, for the past, I guess, three years or so when I joined Bullet Club and, you know, was kind of a member of the elite, whatever, um, I, you know, honestly was always kind of in the shadow of all my friends. You know, Cody you know, being world traveled, he had his WWE career, he's, you know, champion in Ring of Honor, the Young Bucks being you know, one of the best tag teams of all time, champions all around the world, um, you know, and, and Kenny, uh, you know, just yeah, being, uh, let's not forget him, best, right, yeah, the best in his game, so I, you know, I always felt like I was kind of in their shadow a little bit, and um, with all elite, you know, they're, they're still competing, they're wrestling, uh, but I, I feel like, you know, for, for the first time in their careers, uh, that's not their, their main focus or their only focus. You know, they're, they're now, uh, everyone's an executive vice president, apparently, <laughs> except for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, neither. I didn't I get, I didn't, I didn't get the nod. They said <laughs> I needed more experience, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, you gotta like, get a little I, older, JR. You got to mature a little bit before you put that EVP title on, you know, seriously, <laughs> yeah, you're right though. It ain't, it right. ain't about just the boys going to the, to the towns and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and wrestling for those guys. Right. You know, I was, right. I was a Cody last week, two days last week. I spent two days at his house, which is very nice of, uh, him and Brandy to let me stay over a couple of days. Uh, new house, uh, the dream would be proud. So, uh, and I, I, we could, we had a hard time having a conversation because his telephone never stopped. Oh yeah. It's, it's insane, man. And and look, I told him, I said, you know, I'm getting all these feel these requests from guys that want, want, they think I'm hiring talent. I said, boys, you got that all wrong. There ain't no, nowhere on my contract that says good old JR is going to hire any talent. Yeah, you're, oh. you're not the only one. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, but they'll have, one. the point was they're going to have a ton on their plate. I see it as a great opportunity for you. And, uh, and I, I just, you always wonder about a guy, you know, I said, Okay. Do you want the title because you want to, uh, you just, you want to make the extra cash. It may or may not come with it from marketing, whatever, uh, merchandise, or do you want the Austin wanted to be the top guy because he'd worked all his life to be, uh, the captain of the team, so to speak. And he, he was, uh, he, he wanted to, you know, that, uh, responsibility. He needed the structure and the responsibility in his life as a pro. 
are you somewhat motivated in that regard where, you know, if you get to, if you, if you become the champion, you are going to be under a huge spotlight. Is he drawing? Is it, are the TV ratings good? Does he have good matches? Is he elevating all his opponents? Is he improving his game? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I hope that you're underst- you understand what the responsibilities that are going to go along with this damn thing. Cause in all due respect to new Japan, their TV exposure in America is somewhat limited. Access does a good job. They're just, they're not in as many homes as some, some would say, I believe that you're going to be on a weekly television show. That's going to have a, a significant audience from the get go. Are you prepared for that, that pressure? Yeah. You know, I am, um, I've watched these guys do it my whole career. Uh, I've been beside them and, you know, watched from the sidelines while they did it. Uh, and, you know, I, I want to make sure that at the end of the day, you know what I mean, I, I want to make sure that uh, all elite wrestling and this, this entire thing that's been building for the past few years uh, has not been something that I've just taken away from. It's something that I've been able to contribute to and get back to, you know what I mean, that I'm not, mm-hmm. just, uh, I'm not just the guy on the sideline, you know, running away with all the cash. Uh, I want to make sure, you know, that, that I'm giving my part back. Um, and, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm early in my career. I'm 27, I think, more so than anybody else uh, in the group. I'm, I'm the most focused on my in-ring career uh, at this point because I've got a long time to go. Um, so throw me in the water. Sink or swim, we'll see what the hell happens. But, I mean, if, you're right. If you, if you don't want to be champion, if you don't want to be the top guy, you've got no business being there in the first place. No, you don't. You don't have. I'm very excited about your match in Las Vegas coming up very soon. By the way, it's, we're burning daylight on that one. Of course, it's sold out. Double or nothing is sold out. You can watch it uh, on pay-per-view. Uh, but your match with uh, uh, Pac, is that what we're calling now? Pac, P-A-C, right? Pac, yes, he's Pac. Hey, he's a phenomenal son of a bitch now. He's pretty damn good. I, I, I love his game. You guys should. There's no reason without putting any pressure on you. There's no reason that match should not be just a, a ball buster. I think it will be. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, I had a lot to prove. Uh, you know, Pac, I think, has got a lot to prove. This is this will be, you know, one of his first appearances. And as far as I know, um, first real big appearance back in the U.S. in quite a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a lot of U.S. fans, he's been gone for a long time. Uh, so I think he's got a lot to prove as well, uh, to prove to them and, and hell to himself and to me, should the, uh, the, uh, Pac was getting very popular as a two Oh five guy, uh, cruiserweight, light heavyweight, wherever the hell you want to hang on it. Uh, and people are really reacting to his work. He's so, so believable, so smooth, unique. He's just got great skill set. Uh, but he knew, I think, uh, and I haven't talked to him, but he, I figure he knew that getting, uh, uh, assigned to two Oh five live is, a could be a interesting place for a wrestler's career to die because they get very little major TV exposure. And I can't accept that a digital network is your major exposure when you've got, uh, you're the only number one cable network in the world in the USA. So I think that. He was smart in that regard. I never really perceived him as a cruiserweight. Have you? No, no. He's a stud, man, and he's, he can do he can do good stuff. I, I I like his game. So that's going to be on Memorial Day weekend, folks. You guys have heard all about. It. I've talked about it immensely here. Uh, I'll be calling that match with uh, Excalibur. I don't think I've ever worked with a mask color. What? <laughs> what a duo! <laughs> yeah, and Alex Marvez. And Marvez. Yeah. So it's a, 
all three of us a little happy family there, like a little Chinese meal. Uh, happy family. <laughs> um, so that's going to be fun. I saw here on your on look at some bio stuff. I I didn't realize you graduated from VaTech. I did. Yeah, I um, have a degree in communication. I went to school there. I went to school for two years there for a bachelor's degree. Um, so I didn't I didn't see much of it. Honestly, I probably went to to two parties my whole college career. I was wrestling at that point, so you know every weekend was gone or whatever. But I, but I think I went there. <laughs> did you get a degree in two years? Two years, yeah, yeah. Damn, damn, man. I was in a hurry. Yes, you were. You didn't burn any daylight in that little piece of business. <laughs> no, uh, no. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. My uh, one of my uh, friends, Oklahoma friends, is the head coach there now at uh, Vatek. Oh, so sweet. Justin Fuente and, uh, the athletic, uh, the, uh, sports information director, Pete Morris is another friend of mine who was here at OU for a while. They've built a okay. good staff there. And, and then the other tie we have to that program is, uh, that coach Beamer's son, Shane, uh, is an OU coach. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yep. Yep. So we got a little hokey hokiness in our, uh, our business out here. So it's all good. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, you know, I, I feel like as a kid, like I came up on uh hokey football, I I'd probably drifted away from it some now. I mean, the heartbreak every year is a little too much to take. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'll get back into it a little bit. You can always come a center fan. We, we don't break too many. We, we break our own hearts well, about once me. a year. <laughs> <laughs> we can't win that big game, man. Uh, for some reason. So, uh, so you got the uh, the degree. I'm trying to figure out here. So when you got out of high school, were you trained to be a pro wrestler in high school? Were you a high school athlete? How, when did you finally get trained? I saw you got trained by Jimmy Valiant, uh, and you know he's a hell of a character. Uh, he probably could teach more about psychology than a lot of guys could even hope to. Uh, how did that? How was that chronologically? How did all this fall into place? Let's say starting at, at high school. Right. So, uh, when I was, when I was in high school, I was, uh, 15. So I guess I was, was that like 10th grade? I guess, uh, my, um, my cousin's boyfriend at the time, uh, was an indie wrestler, uh, in, in North Carolina, you know, these little, um, community centers and all that kind of stuff, you know, these armories, you know, in front of 10, 20 people, whatever. Um, so I thought that was like, that's the end to wrestling. So I traveled around with him and, and some friends, um, you know, we'd get there, we drive three or four hours, whatever, get there, set up the ring, and then just they'd just teach me what they knew about wrestling, you know, for, for three hours or so before the show started. Then I'd watch the whole show. I helped them tear down the ring, whatever, and I did that for a few months. Um, you know, I don't know, probably eight, nine, ten months before I started started having matches when I was 16. So, um, you know, I I never actually had, like, a real pro wrestling training. I mean, that was that was kind of it. We just got in the ring and, you know, tried to – <laughs> tried to you know teach me what they knew mm. at the time you know so um when i went to college jimmy valiant he's got a wrestling school up in charlottesville virginia kind of close to virginia tech so uh i drove up there to his school um and i honestly to tell the truth i probably went there three three times maybe and, and worked out a little bit mostly with the trainers in his building who were guys like i was wrestling on the weekends anyway I you know you. <laughs> so, so I always, from that point on, I told people I was trained by Jimmy Valiant because I thought that would be, oh, okay, he was trained by, you know, a respectable, you know, somebody I know, he must be good, versus just telling them, oh, it was Justin Flash and Jason Blade from the Indies. But to be quite honest, uh, I didn't do a lot of training there. No, I can I can be honest about that now. I got you. That makes sense. Well, you've done a hell of a job, young man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to 
calling your matches and seeing you de- continue to develop and, uh, and become a, a leader in this company because it, it, the leadership can't be, uh, owned by the four EVPs. Now they're going to be, they have to be leaders. They don't have an option, but they can't be the leaders in a little four man package. There's gotta be more leaders. And, uh, right. and I, I hope that you're that, that one of those guys, I, I like the roster. I, I didn't realize till last week when I was again, mentioned standing with Cody and Brandy that they got about, they got a roster now about 40 people. Did you know that? No, no, I had no idea. Every, every now and then I'll get a text about, you know, Oh, so it's, Oh, we signed so-and-so today. We signed so-and-so. Um, some of which I'm very happy about that people still don't know about, but, uh, you know, I, I maybe didn't realize it was 40. No, I was going to say, man, it seems like we've got, like, I don't know, 20 guys and girls. But if we've got 40, then there must be a lot I don't know about. The uh, question everybody, of course, is hanging on here. They've been waiting on this interview, this conversation, for me to ask is, what the hell does full gear challenge mean? All right. Jim, you watch, uh, you watch Being the Elite? Yep. You, I sure you do. do. Okay. If I didn't, okay. I'd lie to you and said I did. Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, when uh, when we had our press conference uh, to announce all the wrestling, whatever, Pac shows up to confront me uh, in his, you know, full gear, his full wrestling gear, yeah, right? He's in his little, like, black trunks, whatever, at a, at a press conference. Um, so on being the elite on the show, you know, I show up the next week uh, to eat, you know, dinner at Denny's uh, with all the boys in my full gear because I think <laughs> they're impressed by it. Uh, and they're clearly not as impressed by me in my full gear as they were with Pac in their full gear because, you know, Pac's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a specimen, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I am fat-shamed. I am skinny-shamed. Uh, I am having uh, maybe issues with self-confidence more so than anything about the way I look. So I've taken it upon myself for the, the few, you know, months leading into double or nothing to get in the best shape I can to get into full gear shape to be ready to wear full wrestling gear again and be awesome. able to, you know, appear in public in full gear. And I've, I've tried to encourage fans to join me in it. You know, I don't know if they're going to show up the double or nothing in trunks. Um, I don't know if they're allowed to, to be honest. Uh, but I've had a lot of people, you know, kind of sharing with me their, their, their fitness journey, uh, you know, until double or nothing, trying to you know drop some weight, gain some weight, do both at the same time, whatever it might be. Well, I uh, now I know, folks. Now you know, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't watched, by the is. way, if you haven't watched uh, uh, being the elite the, on the YouTube the YouTube series from AEW, you're uh, missing out. This is some fun stuff. It shows a <laughs> lot of creativity. And here's the here's the sad part about wrestling fans. Sometimes I love them, but and we're all sad in our own ways because sometimes we care too <laughs> yep. much about the product. And if we see one little thing we don't like, then everything has gone to hell. Just ter- the world is just not good anymore. Just ruined. Oh, we ruined the whole damn thing, man. Uh, and that is that people think when they watch the show, which is highly entertaining, it's funny. It's topical. Uh, a lot of timely material that that is the, that is the foundation of the wrestling side of AEW. And I, I believe nobody's told me this. I believe that, Nothing could be farther from the truth. I think fans bell to bell are going to be turned on by seeing a product that might be a little bit, uh, old school in theory, as far as selling, working a hold, doing things that are logical. Uh, but I, I, I believe that you're missing out if you're not watching the show. And I, I wanted to plug that and also to get your, your, your definition of the full gear challenge. So appreciate that info. Absolutely. 
All right, buddy. Well, listen, hey, we're going to see a lot of each other, uh, whether we like it or not, uh, coming up very soon. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to be, looking forward to being in Vegas. Conrad's, uh, yeah. you know, a big soiree, and uh, it's always good to see how large his cheeks are getting, and things of that nature. The the uh, Podfather, uh, Rick Flair's son-in-law. How many more? Ad- and we're going to be Conrad and I start our new show here next week on the Westwood One Network. So that's good. that's going to be a nice adventure. But I love your work, Adam. I, I, I also am very respectful that you have a college degree, you prepared for the future, you trained hard, and the, you have that great thing. You, know, you have the it factor, in my view, and you're 27. I got some old Clash of Champions attire that's 27 years old hanging in my closet as we speak. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I'm pulling for you, buddy, and I look forward to calling your matches and, and uh, getting to know you even better. Hell yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. You bet. You know, folks, it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, like I am more most often, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. Trains are often going a lot faster than you expect them to be. And they cannot stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal. And what used to be you, well, we're not thinking about that. The point is, You can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you. The result, ladies and gentlemen, is a disaster. The result is a disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Slobberknocker of the Week has become one of the favorite uh, little segments we've done on the show. Uh, just recognizing outstanding performances or, or deeds, whatever it may be, uh, are people that uh, have contributed in some big way in their world. And, you know, there's a lot of good nominees this week. You know, uh, Raphael Morphy nominated the Budweiser commercial. He or, or Sean Creedle, one of the two. Budweiser commercial involving... Uh, uh, the retiring Miami Heat uh, NBA star Dwayne Wade, five individuals who were impacted uh, off the court by Wade, including his mother, a sister of the Parkland High School student, uh, and who was killed, by the way, uh, uh, in in the this horrible debauchery in Parkland, uh, Florida, uh, and. It's a very moving spot. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's worth the look and certainly should be given some consideration for Slobber Knocker of the Week. For many years, I've been singing the praises of Dwayne Johnson uh, ever since we had that little meal down there in uh, South Florida. Grilled chicken, black beans and rice. How do I remember that? Because it was a major day. We got our guy. We got him signed. And I was just very, very blessed and pleased with, that I was the right place at the right time to give Rock a help, help give Rock an opportunity 
uh, to live his dream at that point in time in WWE. Massive signing. And how many years has that signing impacted positively uh, the business? Hard to say, right? So, Rock, uh, congratulations. One of the 100 most influential people of 2019, as determined by Time magazine. No small feat. But this week's Slobber Rock of the Week goes to an old friend of mine who passed away, got, got killed in a car wreck, took his life. Chet Kopik, uh, well-known Chicago sportscaster for many, many years. He also had a long affiliation with pro wrestling. Uh, he died last Wednesday in a car auto accident. Uh, Chet was 70, and WLS uh, called Ch- Kopik a Chicago sports icon. Uh, known as the godfather of sports, following the footsteps of the great Jack Brickhouse. Uh, Chet was a passenger in a car. The vehicle crossed the median and hit another vehicle head-on, head-on, which led to the crash, obviously, uh, with the third vehicle. Uh, Chet was uh, taken to the Savannah Memorial University Medical Center, passed away with his family at his side. God bless him for that. Uh, and... Uh, and Chet was the, during the eighties, Chet was the regular ring announcer for WWE live events in Chicago, including the second WrestleMania. Remember that Chet tall guy, good pipes, big personality. Uh, Chet would, uh, give wrestling results on his TV show when he was on as a, in radio. And he regularly had WWF guests on his radio show. So, uh, I, I read where and I, I had not, I never asked Chet this back in the day that he once wrestled a bear <laughs> and he idolized Buddy Rogers as a child. Hey, there's a lot of guys in that, in that era that, that, uh, uh, idolized Budrow. So Chet, uh, I enjoyed meeting you. I enjoyed being your friend. I respect what you did in, in your world and in the wrestling, which became a little bit of your world as well. You're in a better place. God bless you, and uh, rest in peace. So that makes Chet Kopik this week's Slobber Knocker of the Week. Sure, Speedway doesn't have anything, but prior to call across the hall and say that it was a raccoon that overdosed on somebody's heroin. Good God Almighty, it's time for Pet Coon Goofy. Hey, there's a lot of Pet Coon Goofiness going on around this world, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, you know about it. You know about it. You see it. You hear it. You roll your eyes, just like me. Uh, a lot of, a lot of candidates. I'm almost thinking sometimes I could do a whole damn show to some pet coon goofy topics. Maybe I'll suggest that to Connie on the new grilling JR. Uh, so the nominees include, uh, I feel bad for this man. After suspending operations on April five, the owners of the AAF which is going to be a competitor to the XFL officially filed for chapter seven bankruptcy last week, belly up, lost millions, bad plan, uh, just didn't work. And I think, uh, and I understand the obvious comparisons between AAF and the XFL. They're both pro football. They're, they're, you know, they're going to try to, get some players to be picked up by the NFL. Uh, they're going to play in the spring. Uh, 
I could never really find uh, AAF uh, football easily on my television. Big killer. So uh, sorry for their Chapter 7 bankruptcy, but God almighty, man, what a, did you not have a, a solid business plan? Apparently not, right? I mentioned earlier another pet coon goofy situation, uh, kind of bit old Conrad on the on his one of his massive cheeks. You determine where that could be uh, anatomically. Uh, this whole WWE Starcast thing—it's so silly. It's so silly. It can't be. We have to protect our brand. That's our intellectual property. Okay. Uh, do you hear about the man in the Easter Bunny suit? That went viral after he, he broke up a fight uh, between a man and a woman in Florida. Admire him for doing that, but the dude has a the dude in the Easter Bunny suit has a major criminal record uh, and an outstanding warrant in Jersey. I should call he should call my friend uh, Dave LaGreca, who who runs New Jersey actually. He's he he could be Tony Soprano's the real life Tony Soprano there. I'm not sure. I'm just saying, just saying. Uh, but anyway, uh, this dude's wanted in New Jersey. They, of course, are going to do a background check. Uh, so here he is. He's been a good Samaritan, uh, and he gets nailed. God, what a bad break. I think he was burglarizing cars or something. He wasn't like he was a heavy criminal, but in any event, he might have wanted to lay low a little bit. And uh, the Pet Coon Goofy Award winner, ladies and gentlemen, get this story. Female MMA star Joyce Vieira. Uh, was seen punching an alleged pervert who reportedly exposed himself in front of her. Uh, Joyce, 27-year-old, was taking part in a swimwear photo shoot wherein a male individual uh, is claimed to have performed a sex act in Rio de Janeiro. There are no sex acts in Rio. The Brazilian fighter has stated the person in question, uh, and she's 26 years old, began masturbating in front of her and an unnamed friend. Vieira is a specialist in Muay Thai, striking, and jiu-jitsu. Decided to take action uh, herself after the man refused to speak to her about what the hell he was doing. When I looked over there, she says, he had his shorts down and was standing on a path where people pass all the time, including children. He was visibly erect, making sounds and moaning. And for that, he got his ass whipped. So, unnamed dude, put your Johnson away, get some help for your facial wounds. Well, sir, you are Pet Coon Hey, kids, don't forget that Amazon.com has a slobber knocker of my life in wrestling. Uh, I hope you'll check that out if you haven't seen it. Uh, and also uh, consider the audio book. I think you'll like that. I read the audio book. I said before here on the show, it's very daunting to uh couple of weeks, a few weeks after my wife got killed, I have to read about it and talk about it. But in any event, uh, check it out. And, uh, I appreciate your consideration for that. 
This week in wrestling, 42 years ago in Baltimore, key thing in this whole story here, Baltimore, keep that in mind. Superstar Billy Graham defeated the great Bruno San Martino to win the WWF title. The win ended Bruno's second and final run as the champion. By the way, this run spanned 1,237 days. Two points. One, uh, the match was in Baltimore as to not uh, adversely affect the garden in the New York area where Bruno was especially immortal. That was, that was worked out because you'd think that Bruno was going to lose past the torch and in some respect, it might be done in the garden. The side of all things big, right? No, not to, not to be the respect for Bruno was that the match was booked in Baltimore, uh, and, uh, Billy Graham cheated to win and the rest is quote unquote history. 32 years ago, ladies and gents, a big, one of the biggest angles in the history of Memphis wrestling. Uh, with the great Jerry Lawler, uh, fighting Austin Idol. Boy, they had great chemistry, the phenomenal matches. Get a chance to see some of that on uh, YouTube or wherever. Uh, check it out. But Austin Idol defeated the King in a hair versus hair steel cage match to win the AWA Southern Heavyweight Championship. And uh, so the King lost in Memphis, by the by, and had his head shaved. He had his head shaved at the King and there's more to that backstory, but it was a, what a, a culmination of an amazing angle. And then the finish and then subsequently what, where it went from there was extraordinarily, uh, timely, creative, effective booking. 31 years ago at an NWA worldwide wrestling taping in Chattanooga, the fantastics Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers defeated the Midnight Express of the horse Jim Cornette. That's the Midnight Express version of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane to win the NWA United States Tag Team titles. I can hear Corny now. God damn it, they cheated. I'm on the heel. They cheated. They cheated. God damn Kenny, bad bastard. Uh, I, that might have been the night we were there. Maybe I'm trying to think. One night we were there in Chattanooga. Bob Cottle and I were working at ringside, and somebody threw a Threw at Cornette, who's standing on the apron above us. And it missed Cornette. We hit Bob Coddle in the temple. He thought Bob said, I think I'm having an aneurysm. God, it's not funny. But it's, uh, it was just at the moment, it was, it was out there. It was just, you never knew. Another time in Chattanooga, but we, somebody threw an egg at, at I think, get a Cornette. And Bob had his prominent comb over. And the egg hit Bob in the head and got underneath the comb over. So I look over at him and he looked like he had a mohawk. We got that fixed. Uh, Keith Mitchell would tell that he's, he, he was directing or producing that show. He could probably tell a better story than that, but it was, it was some funny times and, and he couldn't, you know, there's no waiting around. He can't wait till you get your composure. <laughs> I love Bob Cottle. What a good man. What a good man. Uh, 21 years ago, WWF presented in your house, 21. Can you believe that? That means there are 21 of those damn things. Uh, it was unforgiven at the Greensboro Coliseum. Here's what I remember about this deal, man. 
21,427 in attendance. 21,427 in attendance. It was like a crowd at the ACC basketball final. It was packed. And uh, due to love, defeated Stone Cold by disqualification in a WWF championship match. And then uh, to, I guess, quote-unquote, send them home happy, uh, Stone Cold would knock out Vince McMahon with a chair shot. 20 years ago, folks, WWF presented In Your House 28. So now we know they had 28 of them, and this will be it. Backlash in the Providence uh, Civic Center. I think now it's called the Dunkin' Donuts Center or something. Uh, uh, full house, good show. But it was the it would be the final WWF pay-per-view to be presented under the In Your House banner. So that was, that was kind of the significance of that. And had a hell of a card. Uh, Stone Cold defeated The Rock in a no-host-barred match to retain the WWF title. Shane McMahon was the special referee. However, as the plot thickens, baby Earl Hebner was the one that counted the fall. It's hard, to, it's hard to screw up a show when Rock and Austin close, right? 20 years ago, WWF taped a pilot episode of SmackDown from the New Haven Coliseum in New Haven, Connecticut. It was intended to be a one-time only special. However, the show scored a 5.8 rating, and UPN would pick it up very soon. Uh, as a matter of fact, in four months, uh, to start airing weekly on their on their network. By the way, on that show, another here's another common denominator: big rating. Here's why: talent, talent. Stone Cold and The Rock defeated The Undertaker and Triple H. How's that for you? That's a great TV match, isn't it? I'm trying to think. I believe that King and I did that pilot because I did the first episode of SmackDown and then I got replaced by Michael Cole to work with the King. So, uh, and I had no issues with that. That's not a, that's not a controversial story. Uh, I was already overexposed to some degree. And maybe some within the WWE thought I was overexposed in the get-go. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it was a it was a fun start and and kind of launched a hell of a brand that's now generated over a, a billion dollar rights fee for Fox, starting on uh, Friday nights this fall. So we must have done pretty good with that piece of business. Seventeen years ago, a man that many consider the Babe Ruth of pro wrestling, Aloysius. Martin Thez, better known as Lou Thez. He died of complications from a triple bypass surgery in Orlando. Uh, the great Lou Thez was 86. And we always enjoy seeing his uh, widow uh, in, uh, at the uh, Colorado Alley Club. Always fun. Charlie, Charlie Thez. And uh, Lou was a class guy. Love Lou. The real deal, buddy. He would double wrist lock your ass to oblivion. Larry, Larry Henning told me a story about that. That was his, that was Lou's go-to. Somebody wanted to get cute with Lou. Uh, Lou would trap him in a damn double wrist lock or the Kimura. And he would, uh, get their attention. 14 years ago, Chris Candido passed away. He was only 33 years old. What a, what a terrible thing. Uh, 
And I'll tell you something, <clears throat> that affected a lot of people. And I think it affected uh, Tammy Stitch immensely. She's still having some issues. She's still in jail. I, I happen to know, or I think she doesn't have a bad heart. I think she's makes bad decisions. And I think she's been reeling since Chris died. 33 years old, 14 years ago. He died of a pneumonia uh, due to a blood clot from a surgery in, uh, in Jersey. Five years ago, Marshall Aaron Mayer, better known to wrestling fans as Lee Marshall, passed away of esophageal cancer in Santa Monica. Oh, Lee was only 64. Great pipes. Uh, they're great. Ring announcing, TV, TV work. I think, I think Lee was close to Eric Bischoff in their days in the AWA, I believe. So it, uh, part of Lee's passed away, uh, five years ago, 64. If I had pipes like Lee Marshall, I might make a living in this business. Four years ago, get this trivia question for you, uh, wrestling trivia people four years ago, Laverne Clarence. Ganya, or mercifully, as he was known, Vern Ganya, to millions. He died of complications from Alzheimer's disease, uh, and uh, in his home in Bloomington, Minnesota, uh, Laverne Clarence Ganya was 89. If you're born with the name Laverne Clarence Ganya, you better be a tough son of a bitch. And by the way. Vern Gagne was just that. And moving right along to birthdays. Got a nice little handful of birthdays here today on uh, on Wednesday when the show drops. Every Wednesday, as you know, it skates, I say. Chris Cruz said, why do they, everybody, all these cool kids, including JR, who's not a cool kid, so to speak. I'm not. He's right. Uh, say this, the show dropped. Well, I had he, he humbled me to saying now it just escapes. I don't want to get the wrath on social media of, the Christy Cruiser. Uh, but on Wednesday, Eugene God will be 51. And uh, Eugene was a guy that that, that had a, a main event match in the Tokyo Dome in January 4, 2003, where he beat my buddy, uh, Josh Barnett. Eugene Nagata, really respected guy, really respected pro, folks, really, really top, top shelf in the areas that are so important, but you don't normally see. On Friday, uh, Jerry Blackwell would have been 70. Uh, he, uh, died in 1995 in a car accident. Uh, the big man from Stone Mountain, Georgia. About as athletic a 400 pounders, I think he could get. Crusher Jerry Blackwell, former AWA tag team champion. Also Friday, another guy that, that we signed, uh, when I was in talent relations at WWE, Glenn Jacobs, Kane. 52 years old on Friday, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, former WWE champion, a finer man with more character. We never signed. He is, he, Glenn Jacobs will stand at the top of the list as far as reliability, my number one trait uh, and dependability, honesty, effort, professionalism. So the folks at Knox County did the right thing by electing Glenn mayor. On Saturday, one of the all-time great legends, and a lot of guys will hear this name, they won't even have a clue who the hell he is. You really won't. Frank Gotch, 
Frank Gotch died in 1917. That's even before I was born. Uh, but he was a known uh, for many years as the greatest pro wrestler in the world, Frank Gotch. He died of uremic poisoning, and that was a shocker, big headlines. But he was a bona fide celebrity, even in the early 1900s. On Sunday, Alex Riley, former WWE superstar, will be 38. I always thought Alex had a potential to be a lot better uh, than he was. Very athletic, very intelligent. I don't know what he's doing now. I've had him on the show before. Smart kid. Hope he's doing good, though. Always liked Alex. Good former football player. I think he's Boston College. Or maybe BU. I don't know. Raphael can tell me. If Raphael was there, he'd know right away. That's his alma mater, BC. Uh, Drew Gulak, 32 on Sunday. He's a 205 star. So somebody you're going to say, I saw Drew in the Indies. I, I don't watch 205 Live. Uh, if you're on 205 Live and that's your that's your that's your address, you gotta you gotta make sure you're really really good, because what you want is you want the writers to see you and say, I have to have him on my show. Either Raw or SmackDown. If you're not on Raw or SmackDown, uh, a re, at least reoccurringly, uh, you're not perceived to be quote unquote talent to get over, in my opinion. On Monday, uh, Titus O'Neil, as unselfish as a good-hearted, a good man as you'll ever find, he does more charity work for WWE than just about anybody I could ever think of. He's in an elite group of talents to do that. Former Florida Gator defensive end, good man. And uh, Titus has found his niche other than taking a head-first dive right underneath the ring in Saudi Arabia. Good job, Titus. Keep up your good work. I'm only kidding about that Saudi Arabia thing, but nonetheless, it was kind of funny. And uh, you're a good man. And on Tuesday, Sean Devari will be 35. He's now with WWE as a producer. I think the same thing as a coach. These producers have got to be mentors, coaches, have some TV savvy, and maybe do a better job in all areas of wrestling, everywhere, of mentoring your talents. Coaching them up, teach them responsibility and accountability. Just don't show up and keep your mouth shut because you don't want to piss off Vince. I'm not saying that's Sean Devari whatsoever. I've never known him to be a tight-lipped guy. So hopefully he's sharing his wisdom and his feel for the game. So he'll be 35 on Tuesday, and we wish you a happy birthday, Sean. And for all you folks celebrating birthdays, uh, remember... Good old JR's got your cake. You've got mail. It's mailbag time here on the Jim Ross Report. Thank you again for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Remember our new show, uh, Grilling JR, with the uh, Podfather, the man on, who has anabolic cheeks. Conrad Thompson will be uh, steering the ship starting next week. We're going to take the show on Tuesday in Las Vegas, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, I'll be in Las Vegas next week for the Call for Alley Banquet. It's a great organization, folks. If you're a real wrestling fan, you can help them out. You can get you can become a, a, a member for 25 bucks. I'm a lifetime member. I think that's 500 But I, it's one of the best investments I've ever made because I'm giving back. 
playing it forward. Check them out. Uh, Callforalleyclub.org, by the way. First up on the mailbag, he's from Tucson, Arizona. Robert Murello uh, likes our show. Appreciate that. He said he's, uh, I'm doing some research on former NWA champion, OSU, Oklahoma State collegiate uh, champion, uh, Dick Hutton. I was wondering if you had any memories on the, this great champion from days of old. Well, Robert, uh, that was a little bit before my time. I think Dick Hutton was a uh, star at Oklahoma State in the 50s. Uh, and the only thing I ever heard about Dick Hutton was uh, several things, but the primary thing was he lacked the charisma to be a Buddy Rogers-like charismatic NWA champion. However, uh, Dick Hutton was Lou Thez's hand-picked guy to, to take over the title for, from Lou while he uh, adjusted his schedule uh, and took a break, so to speak. He didn't really take a break, but that's basically the reason for it. Burnout. Uh, and Lou was smart. Lou knew that Dick may not sell as many tickets because he wasn't as colorful as Lou was. A good gift for Gab. Uh, Dick Hutton was very, very legit. Not that Lou wasn't, but he was just very introverted in that respect. So, uh, but he was a great pro. He just didn't have a lot of personality. He didn't have a lot of charisma. But as a human being, as a man, as a professional, Dick Hutton was top shelf, no doubt about it. Uh, this one from uh, Nick Diamante. I didn't do that, I don't know. Uh, Nick is in Toronto, the side of the big pay-per-view this Sunday for Impact Wrestling. Hi, Jim. Did you ever have an opportunity to consider being a manager during your career? Uh, no. Nick. Not no, but hell no. I could not compete uh, with the, the likes of Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette, Paul Heyman, Gary Hart. Can I go on and on? J.J. Dillon, on and on and on. Just wasn't my thing. I knew where my calling was. I knew where if I was going to make it in this business, I knew what role it was going to be. And that was, a, that was doing play-by-play. Play. At least that's my thought on it. But along the way, I had some great mentors that taught me the wrestling business. And I uh, for, be forever indebted to those guys. So, no, I never had any desire to be a manager. Too damn much work, man. You get sweaty, bloody, beat up. It's like being married. Uh, this from Kyle Roth from Albion, New York. Ask what, my, what match I'm looking forward to the most at uh, Double or Nothing from AEW uh, on Memorial Day weekend in Las Vegas. Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot of things. I'm looking forward to working with uh, Alex Marvez and Excalibur because we know we're going to be under a microscope. We know that most, a lot of fans are going to be hanging on every word we say in a sense that waiting on somebody to make a mistake. Sad, huh? That's true. So I'm looking forward to that challenge. Uh, I got to believe that Omega and Jericho will be a classic and probably close the show. I'm guessing that, uh, the, the Rhodes match, Dustin versus Cody has more intangibles and more, uh, authentic 
reality-based content than probably about anything I've called in years. Uh, they're not wrestling brothers. They're real. They have, you know, they have the same father and that might be where the, some of their issues have started. So I'm looking forward to, uh, Dustin and Cody a lot, but you know, uh, Adam page, she's, he's going to be, uh, him, him and the uh, Pac, they'll kill it. Uh, the young bucks, their tag team match going to be amazing. Everybody's getting a chance to make, uh, open eyes for this brand new company. So there's a lot of matches that are, are pivotal. Not one match is a placeholder and not one match is for just take it easy out there tonight. Let's go. It's going to be fun. Uh, Doug Jimenez is in Dale city, Northern Virginia. Uh, and Dale wants to know, what do you think goes through triple H's mind when time after time talent he groomed and has had success with an NXT goes to the main roster and fails, whether for bad booking complete overall of who he or she was in NXT or whatever else. Well, I don't have any idea what's going through triple H's mind. I would assume some certain level of frustration, head scratchers, that kind of thing, but it's not like it's a new deal. It just started. It's happened a lot. That's an issue. That's a disconnect for me in that company, that transition from the NXT work that is done there is very good till they get to the main roster and something happens. Let's be honest. That's unacceptable. There's no excuse for it. Could it be there's too many cooks in the kitchen or is there, are there other motives? I don't know. All I know is that NXT is a hell of a brand. They've, uh, between triple H and Matt Bloom down there, uh, William Regal, all those cats. They've done a terrific job of, uh, scouting, signing and training. So I do think there's some apprehension with some talents leaving NXT and going to the next level because of the uncertainty of their role. And is there a very well thought out plan to introduce them into the brand? But I will tell you again, that can be cited for almost any promotion. I, I watch and I watch them all. I think it, the introduction of talents seem to come with a lack of long-term planning, which is the old proverbial creative kiss of death. And then finally, uh, even Shannon is from Northern Ireland lad. AJR, who do you think had the bigger impact on WWE Cena or Austin? Thanks for answering. Well, even that's a good question. And I guess there's probably no wrong answer. I think for the shortest period of time, uh, stone cold was, uh, the WWE had never seen anything bigger, hotter while Steve was healthy and the numbers, ratings, pay-per-view buys, the, uh, live attendant ticket sales, et cetera, et cetera, different era too, different era. But Steve was, uh, his career, although abbreviated because of injury was uh, nothing short of extraordinary. And then looking at John Cena. And John Cena was in that great signing class we had that featured Shelton Benjamin, Brock Lesnar, Dave Batista, Randy Orton. Uh, I, John is just John's tenure and his productivity as the guy for all those years has to mean more than 
just about anything. John was always reliable. He kept working on his game. He was durable. He was a damn workhorse. So I think because of tenure and the years and, and father time and the injuries, uh, staying away from the scene a little bit, of course, more than Austin, uh, that Cena probably would get the nod on that deal. But nobody, don't, don't mistake the, the statement. While Austin was healthy and while he, had, while he was on his run, nobody touched him. That's my point. And I'm not, I'm probably, I, and I love both those guys. I, I, I'm friends with both guys. I signed Cena. Uh, Steve was there and, and we, you know, uh, I helped, I helped explain to Vince one time who Stone Cold was. And one thing that helped Steve get hired there at WWE was the fact that he was, uh, cutting some promos for Paul Heyman on ECW and people could actually see his personality. And that's what opened the door. I think in WWE, I said on a WCW broadcast many years ago, if they had a draft there is my number one pick. As I pointed out stone cold, I saw a long time ago, he was special. It's just unfortunately that the father time, and the injury bug, uh, kicked him in the gonads. I really don't know what we're going to do about the mailbag going forward. A lot of changes on the show next, starting next week, the Conrad Thompson, uh, but you're going to like it. But in the meantime, thanks for sending in your questions and comments, uh, until you're better paid. You know, some people call this cat uh, controversial. I don't know if that to be a great description or not. Might fit. Uh, Sammy Callahan is with me, and Sammy, I enjoy your work. You got a big weekend on tap, but I, as we talked before we got on the air here, you're just getting back from the UK, and that apparently was a rather uh, challenging trip. Yeah, it was a rough trip. Fight Club Pro. It's a promotion that's uh, owned and ran by Trent Seven, and also the promotion mm-hmm. that put Pete Dunn on the mat, Tyler mm-hmm. Bape on the map. Yeah. A lot of other English wrestlers. Uh, I was actually one of their original guys that first started coming over to them from America years and years ago. And they do this giant tag team tournament, the DTTI, uh, the Dream Tag Team Invitational every year. And uh, I've been a part of it each and every year. And this is the first year that myself, Dave and Jake Chris all got to go together. So it was a, it was a crazy weekend, uh, to say. And uh, it, was a, it was a couple rough matches. Night one, I had to wrestle Ray Horace. Crazy luchador, totally out there. Night two, I was in a 15-person scramble. And on night three, I was in a six-man tag where uh, Ata from Dragon Gate thought it was appropriate to murder me with the chair. So there's that. Oh, God. What a way to make a living, buddy. And you're doing a hell of a job of it. You're chasing that dollar, right? I love right? money. Bumping yeah. hurts, though. Yeah, it does. You're right. I, I have limited experience in that. I went When I got in an angle on TV, I went down in sections. You know, that's akin to me running my clocking my 40 with a sundial it's just not really good and that probably wrestling. still hurts people i don't think the outside world the the civilians outside of wrestling actually know how hard a wrestling ring is because it, it it's not a trampoline it's not something that has a ton of padding that's wooden steel underneath there and it freaking hurts very unforgiving and so is the damn canvas it's like falling on sandpaper uh, especially on TV tapings when they put four, five, six canvases on there in case one gets messy, you got to pull it off and put another one on. That makes that ring a hundred times harder. It some of those rings was like hit concrete. You are about as ubiquitous as a performer, as an athlete, pro wrestler, as anybody I know right now, working for all these different companies. And uh, we, you touched on this before we started recording the fact that you know it's 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 kind of refreshing at times to see other wrestling companies per, uh, promoting each other, cooperating with each other, 
uh, because the big dog in the yard still casts that massive shadow over everybody else. So, uh, how have you balanced working with all these different decision makers? Uh, I would even think the scheduling of the damn thing would be challenging. Yeah, I like to put myself as the worldwide desperado. I'm the guy that you never know where I'm going to show up. Last year, I I showed up at Impact Wrestling for the first time, and the next week showed up at New Japan. I'm the guy that quit WWE because I wanted something better. I wasn't complacent of just collecting a paycheck and uh, sitting on the sidelines. And they wanted me to stay out for 30 days, and they're going to pay me a lot of money to just sit at home for 30 days. I said, yo, I, I want the money. I'm, I'm going to go show up at shows on Saturday because I need that to generate buzz and become that person I know who I am. But at this point, like I, I don't hate WWE. I don't hate any company. But WWE has a monopoly. 100% they have monopoly. They're, they're opening up different territories all over the world. You see that with the opening of the new UK Performance Center. And if you don't think that's going to happen in Japan and other parts of the world, you're stupid because they're going everywhere and anywhere scouring the world for talent. And at this point, if not WWE, every wrestling promotion needs to be working together to create a true alternative and to generate buzz together because wrestling, if we work together, can be something great and can be something amazing. And I'm one of these guys, uh, I run a wrestling promotion. I run a company called The Wrestling Revolver. We do 1,500 people, WrestleMania weekend. We're blowing up right now. And I hate to ever be that promoter that's like, yo, don't work for this company or don't work for that company. You know, you work wherever you can so you can make money. And I I prefer to work with companies instead of fight with companies. Any new territory that I break out into, I, I look for a smaller independent company and try to join up with them to help get them some buzz to make wrestling better in that area. Because if it's better in that area, it's going to be better for my promotion. And that's how I think every wrestling promotion should look at this. Yeah, very healthy outlook, quite frankly. Uh, the the Do you have any favorites right now? You, know, you work for Port uh, Bauer and uh, at MLW. You work at Impact. Of course, we're going to talk about Impact and Rebellion this weekend on pay-per-view. Uh, any, any, or the, I would, here's what I'm going to start masking. Do all these little companies, little, big, whatever you want to say, all these companies have a different personality? 100%. That's what I love about independent wrestling and professional wrestling in general. I don't have one favorite because I like to be able to go to different places around the world, different styles, different territories, have a different style match. One night I'll be at MLW and have a television style match. Then the next night I'll be at a smaller company and have a, a crazy hardcore match in front of 100 people because to me, no show is too big or too small. you got to go out there for 100% every night of the week to generate new fans and to save markets because if you have one bad show or one bad match in a market, it could kill wrestling in that market. That's why... It sucks to see so many good independent wrestling companies busting their ass for production value, for lights, for cameras, for their entranceways, for their rings, for their talent, to build up an area to watch a, for lack of better words, a shit show come into town and just ruin the territory. Because professional wrestling fans, they don't always differentiate that there's two different companies or three different companies. When they see the word pro wrestling, it all gets wrapped up into the same bow in the same picture. Yeah, and it's basically WWE is the, you know, they've got the biggest footprint. they got the cast largest shadow. 100%. Like, it, when people ask you what you do for life, it's like, oh, I'm a pro wrestler. The first thing they always say, oh, like WWE? Like, like, the, like, Hulk, like Hulk Hogan? Like Ric Flair? Like, and you're like, yeah, that, that's what I do. It's way bigger than that, but for a lack of things, yes. So for you, so you can understand it, that's what I do. I, I thought it was uh, kind of funny uh, in a, not a ha-ha way, but kind of ironically uh, uh, interesting that you you're working for MLW, 
uh, with the, uh, Chadsworth Osborne Jr. of wrestling, Courtney Bauer. And you got the, uh, the Louisville lift there, Jim Cornette doing color on the TV show. And you and Cornette, according to the legend of the internet at one time had some issues philosophically, apparently over, uh, Eddie Edwards getting injured in a match that he, you and he had, and, uh, Cornette had a lot to say. Cornette has a lot to say on everything, but nonetheless, how, how has that relationship gone? Is it strained? Are you okay? Is it behind you? How's that? How's that going? Look, I, I don't care if I like someone or hate someone. If there's an opportunity for me to make money, I'll put my stuff aside so I can go out there and do my job. But I'm not going to say that as soon as I got to the building, Jim Cornette didn't avoid me like the plague. That's a confrontation that hasn't happened face-to-face yet. When it happens, there is going to be words. So I'm not going to let someone just talk trash on me for month and month and month and month and month and act like everything's okay. Jim Cornette has something coming to him, and he knows, and it's going to happen sooner or later at MLW, whether he likes it or not. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, well, we'll see. I hope that cooler heads prevail as all that goes forward. Um, I, I, have you, what's your thoughts on AEW? Have you, is, I'm sure people ask you about it because you're young, you're talented, you work for a lot of different companies now. Have, would they be on your radar? hundred percent. Everywhere's on my radar right now. I've walked into the best contract in my life. Been back wrestling. and the first company to actually let me be Sammy Callahan on television and do what I know will work. And look what it's done for them. I've been the most buzzworthy character on their television show for the last year, last year voted on by the fans. Match of the year, wrestle of the year, moment of the year. That's the kind of thing that I bring to the table because every couple months I do something to generate buzz because I know you can't just hope that your body of work from the past is going to continue to go forward. But AEW, I hope it does great. I hope it goes amazingly. Uh, I have a lot of friends working for that company or working in that company. And I think it's to the point if AEW does bad, it's going to hurt wrestling as a whole because it has so much buzz right now and it has such a big following. If they go out there and they're not able to deliver on what they promise, it's going to hurt the, the name of professional wrestling. I truly believe it's going to be great because the people running it are the same kind of mindset as how I look at wrestling and how our generation looks at wrestling. We live by this motto that I've coined for years now, uh, wrestling for our generation, by our generation, because now our generation is finally at the forefront of running wrestling companies and putting on the product that we think the fans will like. Mm-hmm. You are. That's- that's a very good way of putting it. Uh, and I think one of the things when I was asked, when I, uh, did not renegotiate with WWE and I left after 26 years to go to AEW was, why are you doing this? Because I like the, uh, youth. I like the, uh, the exuberation, the passion, passion. That's the word. It's not always about the money, and that's what people don't understand. They're like, why would you quit WWE and leave a guaranteed contract to go back out and bet on yourself? Because I believed in myself, and I believed in something better, and I believed in my artistic vision of professional wrestling. That's how a lot of other wrestlers live right now. That's why wrestling, people can say the ratings are down in wrestling, or not as many people are watching as they did in the 90s, but I think that's absolutely false. I think more people around the world are watching wrestling right now than anywhere else in the world, uh, than any other sporting event in the world because of one reason the social media buzz and the youtube and everything else wrestling fans watch their content differently and just fans of movies even watch their content differently or television shows i don't even have cable anymore because i watch anything on hulu or netflix or on youtube and that's how professional wrestling has professional wrestling is the most watched thing on youtube 
business every week. If you look at it through all the different avenues and every different company, the numbers that professional wrestling is putting up on YouTube and social media is unmatched by anything else in the world. Uh, Sammy, tell us about uh, your next trip to Canada on pay-per-view with uh, Rich Swan. Impact Wrestling's Rebellion pay-per-views in Toronto, or emanating from Toronto. Uh, Vance is good. I think you guys may be sold out. I'm not sure. Uh, but that market's been good to you. What's your, for a novice fan or somebody that may not have all the, the data at their disposal, give me two or three points on why this uh, match with, uh, Rich Swan is going to be a ball buster. Well, first of all, this match may not happen right now because uh, if you look at my social media and all the fans out there listening to this right now, go to my social media and watch the video I put out to Impact Wrestling Management. There, there's a couple things in my contract that gives me a little bit of creative freedom to do what that, whatever the hell I want sometimes. And this is one of those times that I'm cashing in on this. I don't want me and Rich Swan to be a regular match. It needs to be more than that. This is a guy that I helped when no one else would. I took this 17-year-old kid off the streets and I let him live with me for years and years and years. I gave him everything that he needed to succeed. He became a brother to me. He became my best friend. And for us to be able to do this feud, I'm not going to go out there and have a regular match at the Rebel. I want no DQ. I want no disqualification. I want blood, and I want to get violent with this son of a bitch because that's the only way this can end. Great reason. Great answer right there, uh, Sammy. Good stuff. Hey, when you're, you you grew up in Ohio, I know. I think I know. Uh, who's your what, what wrestling did you watch as a kid? Because you had to watch something to give you this help stimulate this passion and this uh, the the cerebral side of the game. Who who are your influences when you're a young buck? No no pun intended. My biggest influences in professional wrestling are Terry Funk. The Undertaker, Mick Foley, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. As I got a little bit older and understand wrestling a little bit more, I always grew up watching professional wrestling. It was always something that was on in my household. My brothers are 10 to 11 years older than me. They're really into WWE in the late 80s. And uh, I remember that was my first memory. What I can remember as a child is professional wrestling. And as they got older, they kind of grew out of the professional wrestling phase. And uh, I just took it to another level. I remember writing reports and second grade or first grade of what you want to be when you grow up and there's only two options it's either pro wrestler or ghostbuster and once i realized ghostbusters wasn't a real thing it all went towards professional wrestling i grew up uh early 90s uh before i really even got to wwe i was a wcw kid the nwa kid because we got the nwa shows and the wcw shows we got saturday morning on the superstation and uh that was like more of the uh the demo that WCW push for was that Midwest. We never got a lot of WWE shows when I was younger. We got a lot of WCW shows though. Yeah. And that was, they had some good stuff. I, I left there in 93 from WCW. I got there in the late eighties. It was fun. I had, a, I had a great time. I, I, uh, the, the Monday night wars are not, uh, you know, have not been uh, conceived, but, uh, the, the brand on TBS was always, that was the wrestling network. You know, that was the station. Everybody, 6.05 on Saturday night, 6.05 Eastern. I still remember a match. I think it was 93 between Vader and Mick Foley. That is one of the most ridiculous matches still to this day that I've ever seen that was given away on a free television on a Saturday that locked me into that, that style of professional wrestling from a very young standpoint. Well, sometimes, my boy, uh, the decision makers in the booking area uh, have varying agendas. And uh, they're looking for the one week. It's a it's a it's a promotion about selling tickets. 
the next week it's a promotion about getting ratings. The next week is about pay-per-view buys. There's all kinds of different messages being sent. And sometimes the objectivity, especially when this is challenging now, I'm, I'm telling you, when you have active participants, uh, involved in administration, it's an uneasy formula, but is it impossible to master? No, but it's gotta be addressed no, because it's, it's got, it's a different, don't you think? That people go one extreme or the other. Like there is room and time to concentrate on every avenue. It's just like when I run a promotion, I'm not just going to do Facebook advertisement, or I'm not just going to do television advertisement. I'm going to do television, Facebook, street team, radio. I'm going to do anything I can to put asses in the seats. And I think the big problem with major companies is they either spread themselves too thin or they put too many cooks in the kitchen and too many people have a voice, and then everything gets all clusterfucked. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, uh, man, I'm, uh, I'm enthralled with this conversation. You're a very interesting guy. I was thinking as you were talking there, I said, man, I'd like to work this cat somewhere down the road. So we'll see if that ever, uh, happens. You're one of the podcasts that I want to do more than anybody. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts on the regular and the Jim Ross report is always one. Uh, oh, I listen you. to every couple of weeks when I'm on the road, I'll, I'll save a couple episodes on my phone. So I can listen to them on the plane, listen to them on the road. And, uh, it, it, it's a great honor to be able to be on your show. You're one of the guys that truly your voice helped me be me when I was younger. You, you reminded me of my uncle that I really didn't even have. Like you're one of the guys that really was a, a wholesome, great person to like want to strive to be like, and I'll thank you for that until the day I die. I appreciate that, buddy. That's very nice of you to say, uh, we'll have, hopefully have other conversations down the road. I'm uh, pulling for your career. Stay healthy, buddy. And you know, you can, oh. You're not getting paid by the bump, I don't think. I may be wrong. Some of these promotions might want you to be paid by the Hurricane Runner or whatever. You no, know, my problem is, man, I love wrestling too much right now that I don't say no. I should say no to a lot of indie promotions. I don't have to work for indie promotions anymore because of impact, and that's like a, a big misconception. I'm on a great six-figure-plus guarantee a year right now, but I continue to go out and work indie wrestling because I, I, I love professional wrestling, and I love going out there. It's a drug that you can't explain. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is at the Sammy Callahan. My Instagram is at official Callahan. And I'd be stupid if I didn't put over my wrestling promotion, the wrestling revolver. Check us out on all social media platforms at PW revolver for my brand. And that what my generation thinks of what professional wrestling should be at the Sammy Callahan on Twitter, folks. I screwed that up during the week. Uh, I, uh, I'm just, I need an assistant. I need a young maybe 20 something Swedish exchange student, female. Preferably. I like that. I think that, 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 that adds up. I think that's a great <laughs> idea for you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, you know, just got to compensate for your old age. Hey, listen, buddy, have a, have a successful weekend. I'll be watching your uh, match on, on Sunday on pay-per-view. I know you're going to kill it and, uh, let's keep in touch, man. hundred percent. I'm not just going to kill it. I'm going to go out there and have the match of the year, just like I did last time we're at the rebel complex. And nothing else will do. 100%. Thank you, Jim. You bet, Sammy. Take care, buddy, and get some rest, and I'll, uh, I'll be talking to you soon. 100%. Have a good one. Certainly a complex and cerebral athlete is Sammy Callahan. Watch him on uh, Sunday, pay-per-view, uh, against uh, Rich Swan for Impact Wrestling's big pay-per-view. Should be a hell of a card. I'm going to watch it on the Fight app. Hope you'll check it out if you get a chance. Um Next week, ladies and gents, is our new show debut, finally. 
all the lawyers have got their two cents in all the bureaucracy has been on display has finally subsided. So now the new show with the amazing pod father, Connie Conrad Thompson, we started a new show. He's, Conrad named this show grilling Jr. So it should give you an, an indication of what it's going to be like. I feel like I'm getting deposed every goddamn week, but uh, well, it'll be entertaining. It'll be an in, entertaining deposition. I'll promise you. So that's next week. Uh, a new show's still going to drop every Wednesday. So that's our plan. Uh, so check us, check that out. Also want to quickly just thank uh, pro wrestling tees. My friend Ryan Barkin has a great company there. They do so many wonderful things for me that I want to say thank you to them. Uh, you can shop at pro slash Jim Ross. And, uh, I thought it was amazing that Ryan sent out an email the other day and some social media, uh, context material that, uh, pro wrestling tees had paid wrestlers over $5 million in royalties uh, over the last few years. That folks is nothing short of extraordinary. The good things pro wrestling tees is doing for the talents is admirable. Because I believe that if somebody's doing something good for wrestling talent, that they were, do, we're doing something equally as good for our fans and they do that. So check them out. Pro slash Jim Ross. We appreciate that. I'm on Twitter at JR's BBQ, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks to Sean Cradle at Jim Ross BBQ. So you can follow us there. Our, all of our exploits trials and tribulations and uh, a big week next week. I'm excited about this. Hope you guys are too. So uh, my thanks again to Adam page, the hangman great things are destined for this young man, I believe. And also a thanks to another man who's on a, uh, upward spiral without a doubt, Sammy Callahan controversial. Yeah. Both of these guys are controversial because let me put it this way. Oatmeal with nothing on it. Doesn't taste good. You got to have some sizzle. It has some flavor. And the one thing about a guy like Hangman Page with AEW and Sammy Callahan, who works for about 10 promotions, it seems like, is that neither guy is ever going to be boring or predictable. They're hungry. They got a, somewhere they want to go in mind. They know their destination. And man, they are traveling at a high speed to get there. Love it. Both those guys. So uh, for everybody here at Westwood One, for our producer Dennis back in New York City and everybody listening, we thank you so much. I want to get in that old black uh, Escalade. Someday I may upgrade. Not a, I'm gonna, maybe I'll buy something newer. I just feel like investing in automobiles sometimes is not the most prudent investment. That's a story for another time, for another show perhaps. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, hope you'll tune in. Conrad and JR. Grilling JR starts next week here on the Westwood One Podcast Network. Until then, I am Jim Ross saying, so long, everybody. This is Dennis Miller on the Dennis Miller Option. You will hear my uncensored take on current events, politics, pop culture, and anything else that crosses my mind. Our friend Dana Carvey has just called in. Look at you all grown up, Deep church lady. Dream. Lady, lady is still angry. You know that? The Dennis Miller Option is free and easy to get on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from the Westwood One Podcast Network. 
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.